welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. My name is Simone Waveney Johnson Smith. Today is Tuesday, September 6th, 2022. I am located in Alpharetta, Georgia, and my partner today is Cynthia Farrell Johnson. I know Cynthia now for quite a bit of years. We first met at Department of State as she's a former and currently retired Foreign Service Officer, U.S. Diplomat. And she mentored me throughout my time with Department of State, and we've kept in touch over the years. My name is Cynthia Farrell Johnson. Today is Tuesday, September 6, 2022. My location is Silver Spring, Maryland. My partner is Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and we have known each other for quite a while. We met when both of us were in the Foreign Service. I've since retired, but we kept in touch over the years. Simone, maybe we can start out at the very beginning. Where were you born? Where did you grow up? Tell us about your parents and where your family's from. Yes, sure. So I was born in Westmoreland, Jamaica, and later migrated to the United States in about 1998, so roughly about 23 years as of August this year. I grew up in what we would say the countryside of Jamaica in Westmoreland. I was born in Savannah, Lamar, a bit away from where my mom was actually living and pregnant when she got pregnant. So there is a story behind the fact that she drove miles to get to the hospital in order to give birth to me. But I was born at Savannah Lamar Hospital in Jamaica. I'd have to go back. I since did my ancestry and learned that my grandmother's side of families originated from Scotland. And then there's a story, of course, as to why they, how they came to Jamaica. Unfortunately, my grandmother died at 93 in 2020, right before the pandemic, and we never got to get the full story. However, my mom's side of family, I've done my mom ancestry, and it shows that she has majority DNA linking her to Nigeria. So they both were born in Jamaica. Their parents were born in Jamaica. You know, most of our family are Jamaican, considered Jamaicans. And there we go. I'll stop there. Oh, that's funny because when I did my ancestry, I found out I had a lot of Nigerian roots too. So <laughs> actually the, my grandparents were from Jamaica and Barbados. So we, I think that's probably why we got along so well because we had those Caribbean roots. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Did you always want to be a diplomat? Interestingly, no. <laughs> I, when you, when we talked about this over the weekend, the story came back to me so vividly. I remember being asked by my high school principal, Mr. Wong. I went to Excelsior High School in Jamaica, in Kingston, Jamaica. And I don't know, I think my dad had come up and probably concerned about me sometime during high school and spoke to the guidance counselor and spoke to the principal and I was called in. And he asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I said, I wanted to be an ear hostess, right? And so he said, you want to be, you want to be a waitress? You want to serve people food? I was quite taken aback because at that time I thought, oh, I'll get to travel. 
you know, I'll be working on a plane, meeting interesting people. But Mr. Wong obviously was not pleased with that response. And I found myself in quite a bit of mental turmoil after that interaction and started wondering, okay, so, you know, he doesn't think that's a great career. So I guess I better start rethinking. And so over the years, I never actually knew exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew certain things I did not want to do. I could not stand the smell of a hospital, so I know the medical field wasn't for me. And I did not do well in computer sciences, right? So back then we were using Microsoft Works when I was finishing high school. I studied for five years and took the CXC exams after five years and I got seven out of eight subjects and computer science was the one that I actually got a C in and everything else I got ones and twos, which are like A's and B's. And did very well in everything else. I was the valedictorian at my high school graduation, but still wasn't quite clear. My family ended up migrating a year later after I graduated high school from Excelsior High School. And it was not until when I came to the United States and being exposed to international relations, then all of a sudden studying languages from seventh and eighth grade in high school in Kingston came very easily for me. And so I knew that enough, I would follow that. And I continued in uh, college with studying Spanish and French and international relations. And that's where my life has taken me. That's funny that you said air hostess, because I said the same thing when I was a kid. And I got the same response from my parents. I mean, they were horrified. And I said, yeah, but I want to travel and visit other countries. And it was like, there are other ways to do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. So given that we've had that experience, what did you, what, if you had a chance to go back now and talk to that young lady who wanted to be an air hostess, what would you tell her? You know, that, The world is my oyster and it's for exploration and it's, it's not bad if I had an interest in doing it, that I should at least try it and see where life would have taken me. And perhaps I would have done that and who knows what my life would have been open to had I done that for maybe a few months, a year or more. It doesn't mean that I would not have ended up in international relations or studying languages. But perhaps I would have had that experience. But the funny thing about it is I have traveled so many times. If I've counted the number of times I've been on a plane, it's it's mind boggling, you know, and the turbulence I don't like. And I get a little bit of an anxiety every time I fly. So it was interesting that I wanted to be a hero. Yeah. Was that before you ever took an airline trip? That's that exactly that? because oh, exactly. Okay. So before leaving Jamaica, I had never left the island before and I left right after high school. So I had no exposure to what that was like. I think I probably just heard someone say it. It sounded cool. I had an idea what it was. And, you know, and so I held on to that. But exposure is so important for young children when they're coming up, you know, as to what is possible for them. How did you imagine your life was going to be back then? And how different is it now from what you thought you might end up doing in life? Had my family not migrated, you know, and I remained in Jamaica, a small island, I probably would have gone on to university and either 
pursued business administration or economics, like maybe an accounting degree or something and worked in an office or a bank. That was a big thing on the island. We knew a lot of people who worked in banks. And so I know my father who had the connections to get me probably working at one of the big banks on the island. So that's probably would have been my path. And, you know, so the, and, and I feel like I probably would have had a lot more children by now. <laughs> I have a four, I have a four year old daughter and I feel like perhaps yeah. I would have settled down earlier, started my family. And that's probably what I imagine my, you know, we grew up traveling around the island. My dad had the business and we were always in the car every weekend visiting somebody on some part of the island. So I was quite exposed, but not outside of Jamaica itself. And so after leaving, I realized, my gosh, my world was actually, even though I was exposed to international news and you know possibilities of overseas life i think my world at that point was still very small and what i could see and conceive for myself and so my life turned out amazingly different from what i had imagined for myself i tell you and it's it's a blessing and i'm so grateful to my parents for bringing us and making the sacrifice they did to leave the island give up their lifestyle and give us the three of us children the opportunity to pursue university education and the life here in the United States. It's my life has been a wild roller coaster and just filled with, you know, all the different emotions and excitement. And I've enjoyed it just since I've moved here. So I, I came over after high school, got some credits to go off to university. I did my undergrad at Rockhurst University in Kansas City, Missouri, where I studied Spanish and international business got exposed to a lot of international students. I had friends from, I remember from Guatemala, friends from Venezuela, from Mexico, Cameroon, two friends from Nigeria. And so, you know, that's where my undergraduate degree is where I got exposed living on campus. And I did a service trip traveling and living, traveling to Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, where we built a, a straw bale home for a family a less fortunate family living in Juarez. And then I spent, I did a study abroad trip to Oaxaca, Mexico, living with a local family there in Oaxaca and got exposed to all of the interesting crafts and indigenous life in, in Mexico. And so that just opened my world. And then after that, I came into the information that there was a possibility of going to grad school and, you know, going after a fellowship called a Pickering Fellowship. And, you know, I applied to that after undergraduate. I was doing a job working for State Street Bank, an investment bank, and I, I did not know that I would be so unhappy, right? I just could not see myself coming to that building for 20 years, and I very vividly now remember Telling and my friend reminded me the other day. He said, Do you remember just complaining all the time and just being so distraught that you could not come to this building for 20 years? I, you know, and so I just knew that my life was supposed to be one that I was moving around, being exposed to other things, traveling. So I applied for this fellowship. I literally got to FedEx the within the last hours of them closing, the last hour, dropping off my application. I made it through, I was one of 600 applicants and I got to be one of the 20 who were selected to be, to wow. receive this Pickering fellowship that got me into Department of State. 
And I was just moved and just, I just felt like that's the path I was supposed to take. So I got into the Department of State and my life just opened up just amazingly. I mean, traveled, lived in Mexico for two, uh, Mexico City for two years, traveled throughout Mexico, got to work at the U.S. Embassy doing consular work and, and then doing Cuban affairs and was in Havana, Cuba for some time. Also worked on a Gitmo, a Guantanamo Bay migrant program with population refugees and migration. And then additionally got to travel to Accra, Ghana, where I participated in a police training program that, you know, where a lot of police from the West African region would come into Accra to be trained by different people throughout the U.S. government to help them bolster and improve their law enforcement structure in their countries. Over the period of a number of years, I just, my life just, I felt like I was on a train that was just going and I was, it was life, life, life was taking me in that direction and I just wrote it and I wouldn't have done it any other way, but my life has been completely unlike anything I, I could have ever imagined. That was never in my thought as a young girl growing up. You know, and it's been an amazing ride. I've had difficult times and I've had amazingly happy and exciting times. And I would not have changed that for the world because I feel like it makes me who I am today. Great. I think that happens to many of us that we expect to go in one direction and then life takes us in another. And there are ups and downs. So let's yes. get to the parents because they did influence you in many different ways. So I'd just like to know a little bit more about them. What were they like? What were their names? So my, my mom's name is Murdit Campbell and maiden name Campbell. And she's one of 12 siblings born and raised in Cold Spring, Westmoreland in Cornwall mountain area of Westmoreland part of the island. My dad's name is Linton Johnson. He's probably one of the only one in our family, one of 11 children without a middle name or a nick. Well, he does have a nickname. People call him Celin, C-E-L-I-N. I have no idea why, but he's a, he's a twin, the only twin that my grandmother had. Uh, he has a twin brother. And my paternal grandmother's name is Louise Johnson, maiden name Spence. And her side of her family uh, also is Tyson. She's connected, connected to the Tysons there in Westmoreland. And grandfather's name is Alexander Johnson. And he also comes from a large family as well. My maternal grandmother's name was Daisy Campbell. And my ma maternal grandfather's name is Albert Campbell. And they had, of course, they had 12 children and my grandmother, Louise and Alexander had 11 each. It goes far back and they all have, all come from big families as well. My grandmother, one of 14, my grandfather's family is huge as well. So huge families on both sides. That's a big part of the story is the fact that we always had community. And so I found that when I moved away from home to DC to pursue my career with Department of State, I felt... You know, like I was one of my cousin and I left in 2005. He went off to Hampton University and I went to American University. And my family was so worried that I was leaving home for the first time. Where are you going? My uncle was like, why are you leaving the family? And for me, I thought it was exciting to get an opportunity to go do a master's degree. But they were worried. 
<laughs> they were more worried for my safety because I, you know, all of us have always lived close to each other. My my dad's side of, of family and they're in Kansas City, Missouri. And I stepped out. It was scary. And I remember, you know, having mixed emotions because I would be drained because I didn't have my family to replenish me when I would come home every day. I came home to an empty apartment. And that was difficult for me because I always had community and, and cousins all around me growing up. So that was part of the difficult side, missing my community even when I went overseas, not being able to, to make all the events. I missed a lot of birthday parties and celebrations and made back to the ones that I could afford to with time and finances to make. Mm -hmm. But my parents, mom and dad, they're just, you know, I have very fun. My mom has since passed. She passed January 1, 2021. May her soul rest in peace. But she was such a, mm -hmm. she was the oldest of her siblings and had such broad shoulders. She carried so much responsibilities for her family, was so much responsibility for her family. Her father died at, I think in his 40s. He was in an accident, unfortunately, went to some political meeting. And on the way back, the group of them coming back home had an accident, very tragic accident, very young. In fact, his, my gr maternal grandmother was pregnant with the last child, now the 12th child, right, uh, when he died. And so my mom had to take on a lot of the responsibility. The story goes that she actually stopped, dropped out of school, because I remember my paternal grandmother telling me just how smart she was because she was doing so well in school and that she dropped out of school to work so she could help raise the rest of her siblings. So mm. she always carried that with her throughout her life. And it wasn't until she passed that I started, it started making more sense to me as to why I felt like I couldn't mess up. I felt like spiritually she passed that on to me and I didn't know why. My friends in high school and college will tell you, Simone does not waste time, you know? And I felt like I would have, a part of what I would have told my younger self is to just chill a little bit, have a little bit more fun, Simone, spend a little bit more time with your friends. I'm just so, take, don't take yourself so seriously. But I didn't understand why I was so focused about getting my degree. It was, I really do feel, feel like it was to finish for my mom because she didn't have, she didn't have the chance to, you know? And mm -hmm. Yeah, even at her funeral, her second to youngest sibling said that she, you know, dropped out of school. And I never knew that. It was at her funeral oh, that wow. I learned that she dropped out of school and it all came tumbling down. And I started realizing that's why I was so focused. I never could put it together. She never told me, but her brother did at her funeral. Mm. But she would give the, 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 the her last piece of bread if she had a bread, she would break it up to the rest of her siblings and shared everything that she had. That's the kind of person she was. And Sounds like an amazing woman. Yes, I, you know, mm -hmm. just wish I could have done so much more for her. As I, I, as I feel like my life becoming more settled, mm. I wish she was here so I could do more for her and make her more comfortable. But we did the best we could. She got ill yeah. because she carried she carried so Too much. much stress. She carried so mm -hmm. much after her father died. And she was my grandmother's right hand. Mm -hmm. She was the oldest child and she couldn't. She, she tried her best to raise us while still helping to raise her, the rest of her siblings. You know, that's how I feel. And mm -hmm. with my limited knowledge and experience, that's kind of what I've come to understand. My dad has the same big heart. He's... Mm. 
I feel like he's the of the his siblings, the one who will step up to take on the responsibility because when you have large families at times part of the issue is that there's so many so many people involved that it would <laughs> yeah. be one or two people who always are the responsible folks who just always put their foot forward. He was never the oldest one. He's in the middle. And mm-hmm. he would be at my his sister's beckoning call to help trying, you know, while at the same time trying to take care of his own his own home. And then my my grand my paternal grandfather passed my grandmother died 2020 and he died 30 something years previous to that. Right. Mm. I, mm-hmm. I was very young apparently when he died. So I don't remember him. I don't have any memory of both of my grandfathers because they died. You know, one died before I was born and the second when I was very young, don't have any memories of them, but have photos and have great stories. My mom has told me stories of both of them. But my dad is the same. I mean, he's a, an auto mechanic and I call him the jack of all trades. He would pull my radio apart, like little radios that I would have growing up if they weren't working and he would fix them and bring them back to me. He would fix the refrigerator if something broke, to, you know, figure out what was wrong. He would fix the car. He would just fix anything that was broken around the house, right? And such such a kind, giving person. Both of them were. And I really, it's come to me several times in my life that we are reaping the benefits of the seeds that they've shown, just giving to people so freely and with such big heart. Yes, we're, luckily my dad is still with me. We're celebrating his 70th birthday uh, this November. We're taking him back to Jamaica to celebrate his 70th birthday resort oh, style. Oh, that's wonderful. And I, 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 I'm just so happy to do it for him. Because, you know, my mom passed 19 days short of her 70th birthday. I wanted to do that, but she was so ill. Mm-hmm. I could never, I could never yeah. get to the point of planning it because we were always having to take her to the doctor. It was another doctor's right. visit and she would be up and she was down again. And so mm-hmm. I just, when she passed in 2021, I said, I have to do this for my dad. We, tomorrow yeah. is not promised. I'm praying that we make it to that day and that we can celebrate him and give him roses while he, we still have him. Give while roses he can to appreciate people that you love. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Give him the roses while he's still here, while he can appreciate him. Don't wait until we put a rose on my mom's yeah. grave like we did. Well, that's another parallel in both our lives because when I was assigned to Panama, that's where my parents were born. And I, my sisters and I put our funds together and arranged for my father to come down for an anniversary celebration of his junior high school. And he got to meet up with some of his classmates and some of his teachers. And it was just such a memorable event. So I am looking forward to hearing about your father's trip back to celebrate his 70th because I know it's going to mean so much to him. Yes, yes, yes. I'm having so much uh, fun planning it and collaborating with my other siblings to make this special for him. Now that you are a parent, how has that changed you? And do you sometimes hear your parents when you're talking to your daughter? It's, it's funny because I see it clearer now that my mom has passed 
sometimes I express myself and it sounds like my mom is speaking through me. It's crazy. Like I will respond to something and I'm like, who is that? That's not Simone. And I just, it just sounds like my mom and the way she would say things or express herself. And so I don't know if she's that, if she's with me that strongly or what, but I, I can't even explain that side of spirit of the spiritual world, you know, but I, mm -hmm. I feel like she's with me in that, in that way. Because my parents both came from such huge families, I find that now that I'm a parent of a four-year-old daughter, I mean, I want to give her so much more of myself now that I felt like my parents could not. Mm. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest, right? So mm -hmm. I also took on a lot of responsibilities, but, or I felt like I needed to, or I couldn't mess up. You know, I had others coming behind me. So I feel like I, I'm able to be so much more available now to my, my daughter than my parents were ever able to because while they were raising us, they had other siblings. My dad was very concerned about making sure my mom, my grandmother was okay because her husband had passed for so many years mm -hmm. before. And they all pulled together and whatever needed to be done in the family, they all took care of the bills. Mm -hmm. raised each other's children together, babysat each other's children together. So much so, mm -hmm. I the lines of who was my parent was blurred. It was not until I got older that I started kind of, you know, learning about boundaries because I felt like I felt so responsible to so many people because there were so many people around me raising and looking out and making sure that I was okay. It was a huge community. And it's, it was a village, you know, uh, people in my mm -hmm. community felt like they could scold me or make sure that they told my grandmother if I misbehaved on the road somewhere. But I'm just so grateful to be able to be available emotionally and in so many other ways to my daughter than I felt like my mom and my dad probably didn't have that luxury because they had so many responsibilities. And how has it changed me? Oh boy. I, I mean, I, I remember just chasing my career a number of years ago. I just never really thought about children. Like some people like in their twenties, just ready to have children. But for me, it was there in the back of my mind because I knew I came from a big family and being a mother was important to me, but I just kept chasing the next career thing. But as, as I've given birth to my daughter, I've just completely changed. My priorities are different. I want to be home with her. I want to come her here and see her after school. I want to be able to get up with her in the night if she needs to go to the bathroom. I just want to be able to answer any questions she has. I want to play with her. Just those little things that are so important. Drop her off at school, walk her to school or whatever. Go walking with her. Mm -hmm. Just to be emotionally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, however, to be with her. And I'm grateful that I'm blessed to be able to do that. So my priorities have changed greatly. Like I, I'm not sure. really interested in chasing the C-suite or, you know, being part of any, any executive board. If life brings that to me, then that's a blessing. But certainly I know that it's my priorities are God, family and career. And so my, I'm trying to make decisions based on that. Mm -hmm. And what have I learned about myself for being a parent? That I'm incredibly compassionate. She brings out like parts of me, like the compassionate part of me that I didn't even know was there. And uh, this, the softer, gentler part of me, right? She makes me a better person because she shows me what's important, what are the important priorities and how to let go of things that are not important. You know, even though socially people might, things around you might be 
telling you, okay, this is what you should be doing and so forth. And what are my dreams for my daughter? I hope that she would be able to express herself. She's beautiful and she's quite capable. And I want her to know that the, the world is an adventure. It's there for her to explore, not to allow people to put, to marginalize her or to tell her what she can or she can't do, but to connect to her intelligence, whether we call it God for us, to connect with God, mm -hmm. to figure out what her purpose is and to pursue that with all her heart. Mm -hmm. And that we're here to support her, whatever that is, that she'll be here to express her true calling and to live fully in this world. And, I, and my dream is that I'll be around to see her have children and mm -hmm. that I'll be here to support her get settled and to live out her being a parent or to pursue her career, whichever, or something else or something greater. Mm -hmm. Who knows? We're here to allow her to express her divine calling. So now you mentioned... God. And so that sort of brings me to faith and your faith has, has changed over time, what it means to you in, in directing your life. Interestingly, you know, both of my parents were not religious. My family, both sides of family. I'm learning actually that my maternal side of family was more religious than I ever thought. My grandfather who passed early, my mother's father, uh, they attended a certain church and they all had to go to school and he was very strict. I had no idea until later in life because they never talked about it. Part of the dynamic of big families, sometimes there's a lot of secrets and unspoken mm -hmm. things. You know, you, you sure, learn them as yeah. you get older. Or maybe as I was younger, I just never paid attention or cared to ask. But now that I'm older and I'm asking more questions. So, but on my paternal side of family, just not religious, my grandmother would send us off to Sunday school and, but never really was tied to any faith or, uh, or so forth. She would have her Bible. She would call me and ask me to read certain Bible verses for her, you know, come and read this to me. She would go around the home singing or humming certain hymns, you know. She would attend the Brethren, what they call in Jamaica, the Brethren Church. I'm not really quite sure what what affiliation it is, but she would go mm -hmm. occasionally, her and her older folks, that it was more of an older congregation type of a church. But for me, I, I, I felt like her sending us to Sunday school, there were a few people who would pick us up and we would go to their church. So I felt like I got exposed to a few different denominations, the Brethren Church, there was a Holiness mm -hmm. Church, there was the Seventh-day Adventist Church, the Assemblies of God. I remember the pastor picking us up and us going to Sunday school. And so it was through all of this, I, as a younger child, I can remember just being aware of like God's presence. I can't really explain it. You know, for me, I feel like when you're when you come into this realm on the earth, I, I really do feel like you're more connected with the spiritual side of things. And as we get older, we perhaps forget who we are and our connection with that part of ourselves. And so when I was younger, I just clearly remember having those little conversations with, with God or a, the divine presence or intelligent being with me, guiding me and so forth. And I remember over my life, just having a few experiences that I just knew supernaturally God had in like interrupted or saved me from things. I remember one night going to a concert and my dad reluctantly let me go. I went with my friends, the concert in Kingston, Jamaica concert finished late in the evening. And I found myself at a bus stop trying to 
figure out how to get home in the middle of the night. Maybe it was 12 or one and a car drove pulled up next to me and I was so nervous. It had a group of men in it. I felt like immediately you can tell in your spirit something was about to go wrong. I mean, that was just a miracle to me. A friend from my church pulled up right behind and just say, Simone, Simone, and picked me up and brought me home. But I have never forgotten that experience. And it stayed with me my entire life. And I was in high school then. It was, I just felt like there was a divine intervention at that moment. I can't, nobody can explain it, but you just knew something bad would have happened had they not shown up. Throughout my time here in the United States, I feel like I've, you know, not growing up in a religious home, I've had my own personal experiences with God. And it's just, I've had to hold on to that to guide me throughout my life because, you know, there's religious doctrine and so many interpretations of the Bible and people expressing what they believe that means. But religion can be used in such a divisive way to separate and provide and, and cause division among people. It could be True. such a political so thing. Mm-hmm. And, right. It can be a political thing yeah. as well as we see playing out in our country these days. And so for me, mm-hmm. I find that I have grown, my faith has evolved in ways where I, you know, after having the opportunity to travel to different countries and being exposed, for example, to see how Muslims and Christians are living side by side in Sierra Leone Mm -hmm. and just communicate with each other as, you know, they're regular people. We're people first and then comes religion, right? That Mm -hmm. pragmatic part about just being human. And so yeah. I've, I've learned to appreciate that. And I've learned to let go of the legalistic side of perhaps what I was taught or exposed to or seeing people behave over the years. And so mm-hmm. I've learned to kind of just open my heart. Perhaps it's the Foreign Service or the exposure with Department of State that has just basically cultivated that part of me, just really a, a global understanding of humanity and people and how important mm-hmm. that is rather than holding on to some legalistic perspective about what religion is, but really tapping into that connection of what love and God means and, mm-hmm. and loving all people. So that's where I am. Exactly. And I'm still evolving. <laughs> we all are. Hopefully we'll keep evolving and, and uh, do go in a, the right direction. Believers say we're all God's children and we're all God's children and everybody merits respect and care. One last question. How would you like to be remembered? How would I like? I want to be remembered as someone who lived fully. Someone Mm -hmm. who, you know, despite challenges and tough times in life, just never gave up and came, came back like a phoenix, rose from the ashes and pursued every opportunity that my, my heart led me to and that I felt like I was being divinely directed to express myself, which what which is what led me into starting my podcast, Immigrant Experience in America, where I interview people of um, from different parts of the world to talk about their experiences moving to another country and living their living out their lives here in the United States. And so I want to be remembered. Well, I'm, when I'm gone, after I'm gone, I just want to be remembered as someone who lived fully to the best of the, her potential with the information that she had available to at the time, made the best decisions she could, who, you know, forgave as often as she knew how, who loved deeply. And I just, I love culture. I love people. I love to travel. I love to experience different parts of the world and people's culture, because it's, I feel like it just opens my mind and my being to the world of 
what the beauty of the salad bowl that God has created. People of different colors, mm. ethnicities, you know, different ways of living and doing things. And I, I just want to mm -hmm. be remembered as somebody who embraced that and lived fully into that. I think you will be. And with that podcast, as long as the technology allows it to pay forward, others will enjoy that same experience that you've had of getting to know all these different people. So thank you so much, Simone. Yes, thank you for sharing in this, this experience with me. And I wonder, how would you describe me? As a giving and caring woman of faith. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share. So thank you, StoryCorps. We thank our listeners around the world, and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe, and share with your friends, family, and circle of influence. <music>